Welcome to the Apple Store in Covent Garden, London, for tonight's special event, Meet the Filmmakers. Please give a warm welcome to tonight's guest moderator, Chris Hewitt. Hello, hello. Thank you for that lovely uh, reception. Uh, Captain America Civil War is, well, you know what Captain America Civil War is, but uh, if you don't know, if you've been hiding under a rock in Sokovia lately, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, it's the latest Marvel epic. It pits Steve Rogers and Tony Stark against each other, but Steve's best friend, Bucky Barnes, is also involved in the mix. Before we meet the filmmakers, let's take a look at the trailer. This job, we try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. But you don't give up. New York. Washington, D.C. Sokovia. Okay, that's enough. Captain, people are afraid. That's why I'm here. We need to be put in check. Whatever form that takes, I'm game. I'm sorry, Tony. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I know we're not perfect. But the safest hands are still our own. I think this movie might do some business. Please welcome the directors of Captain America Civil War, Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. And Bucky Barnes himself, Sebastian Stan. All right, hello everybody. Ah, it's a small independent film. Yeah, Covent Garden. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony and Joe, I'm going to start with you guys because after the success of The Winter Soldier, uh, you have amped it up considerably. Where did you begin? How did you even begin to break the story for this movie? And how did it turn into Civil War? Well, we, we start by sitting at our, in a room uh, with the writers, uh, Marcus and McFeely, like in chairs like these, and we just... We stare at each other for a very, very long time in silence. Oh, so tele telepathy, is that the idea? That's the beginning <laughs> of it, yeah. Uh, it's an intense process. We do, we, um, we do sit in a room with those guys for months, 
Um, we were looking for something very different to say with uh, if we we're going to do a th uh, the third Captain America movie. Yeah. And uh, it was a very exploratory process. Um, but we finally realized, uh, once we cracked the concept for Civil War, that it, uh, it, was, uh, it was the most compelling uh, idea that we had in front of us. And so where did the concept come from, this Tony versus Steve idea? Obviously, there's a comic, the famous comic book arc, Civil War, but this is inspired by that. It's not... Uh, it's inspired yeah. by it. It's yeah. borrowing from the, you know, the idea behind the book. Um, but really, we felt like we had some really strong... Uh, uh, emotional arcs that we could pull through that had been pre-established in the Marvel Universe uh, and, uh, and we really felt like there was an opportunity for Cap and Tony to have a role reversal in this film mm -hmm. where, uh, where Tony was, uh, was interested in um, uh, um, playing ball with the government and Cap uh, uh, Cap who is uh, you know, a soldier who's taken orders his whole life was having an issue with the chain of command yeah, um, and we felt like that had been set up in Winter Soldier, uh, where he learned not to trust power structures, and in Ultron, where Tony felt an incredible amount of guilt uh, in this film uh, about the events of uh, that movie. Absolutely. But while the you know whilst that was our jumping off point for how we got into the story Civil War was this very political idea of of how power is controlled in the world and how Tony and Steve could possibly line up and the rest of the Avengers line up over that issue, really what broke the story open for us as, as storytellers is the fact we figured out how to place the Winter Soldier mm. at the center of that conflict so that as these characters move through the story, uh, the political would become very, very personal and that the character of Bucky would be right at the center of the conflict between Captain America and Iron Man. Uh, and Sebastian, that brings you in. I uh, see so you left your metal arm at home tonight. Thank you yeah, for doing I mean, that. I have to do it's that. It's intimidating. You know? Well, yeah, I guess it must so. Be, do you get through your airports with a metal arm? Is it okay? <laughs> no, I did have somebody at the uh, at one of the airports kind of joke around about that and like not not let me go through for a minute, which was <laughs> it's weird. Not the time to place. For, yeah, it was. Yeah, but it's so, it's not a bad joke to deal with. Absolutely. So when Anthony and Joe are staring at each other in a room. And they're trying to come up with this story. What are you doing? Are you are you on tenterhooks waiting for them trying to get, to get in another touch job? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's kind of like waiting for Christmas twice a year, to be honest. Because <laughs> then there's Christmas, but then there's like their Christmas, which is uh -huh. like you know the next script. And then sometimes, at least with this one, uh, where I knew for sure it was coming and whatnot, it's you know it was great because the there's so many available places to go with the character, and that's mm. always kind of fun for as an actor to just not, you know, that he could, he's still so pliable in so many ways. So mm. the, the playing field is still very open. As we'll see in, indeed in a second. But Bucky, for me, is, I can think of very few characters in the MCU who have changed so much from the time we first met him to the time we see him in Winter Soldier. And again here, so can you set up for people where he is when we first meet him in this? Right. Well, he's he's right where we we leave him at the post credit scene in, in the Winter Soldier, which is in a in a place where he's learning about himself, um, sort of almost meticulously studying about his past, like like himself viewing himself as a subject, and and he you know the emotions and sort of the aftermath just kind of grows with with the more as he as he learns about his past, and you know that's one of the themes in this film is is. Um, that you're having a family very much like the Godfather in a way be torn mm. apart by 
members of it, each individually having selfish reasons or their own emotions get in the way. Yeah. And the, the theme of sort of, can you live with your past and, and move on from it, forgive yourself, forgive others for it, is very prevalent. And that's definitely one of the driving things with the character. Yeah. In fact, almost as if by magic, uh, Sebastian has set up our first clip, uh, which, in which we see the, the Avengers begin to tear themselves apart. We begin to see Tony and Steve take, uh, take different paths in life. Let's take a look. Tony. Someone dies on your watch, you don't give up. Who said we're giving up? We are for not taking responsibility for our actions. This document just shifts the blame. I'm sorry, Steve, that, that is dangerously arrogant. This is the United Nations we're talking about. It's not the World Security Council. It's not SHIELD. It's not Hydra. No, but it's run by people with agendas, and agendas change. That's good. That's why I'm here. When I realized what my weapons were capable of in the wrong hands, I shut it down, stopped manufacturing. Tony, you chose to do that. If we sign this, we surrender our right to choose. What if this panel sends us somewhere we don't think we should go? What if there's somewhere we need to go and they don't let us? We may not be perfect, but the safest hands are still our own. If we don't do this now, it's going to be done to us later. Indeed. Give it a plot. <clears throat> so it's really, it's really hard to watch how at a, what a disadvantage Team Iron Man is at every time. <laughs> like, it's kind of written all over Don Cheadle's face in every clip. I just, the, you know the pain that they're facing <laughs> in this film. Should I even bother asking you which team you're on? <laughs> Is that just a waste of a question? I didn't really have much of a choice if you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> but you, Sebastian Stan, the actor, the man, what team are you on? The man. Yeah. Um, are you, uh, are I, you hashtag Team Cap or hashtag Team Iron Man? What I don't you, know, though. I mean, it's... Uh, no, listen, I'm so... I mean, I would, I would obviously probably go with Team Cap, but it's hard to think of individuals with superpowers and not have some perimeters for them, you know, yeah. in the long run. Otherwise, it's like a free-for-all. Yeah, absolutely. And Anthony and Joe, I'll bring you in, actually, in, in terms of the complexity of the movie, because I've seen this movie three times now, and... Um, <laughs> and I didn't pay a penny, ha-ha! Um, and I still am not entirely sure whether I'm Team Cap or Team Iron Man at the end. These are incredibly complex uh, events and incredibly complex characters. Uh, how do you go about injecting that complexity into a, a comic book movie? Well, this was, it by far and away was the hardest script we've ever worked on for that reason. It was our, our intent to uh, make the ending as complicated as possible so that you could walk out uh, the theater and argue with your friends and family about who was right. Um, which required a lot of balance throughout uh, uh, the process, um, from the script phase to making sure that each character had emotional motivation that you could empathize with, uh, to the execution, meaning the you know mm -hmm. the performance of, uh, of both Chris and Robert in the movie, mm -hmm. uh, um, through editorial where we had to make sure that we were managing properly those performances and the storytelling in a way that uh, um, you know would would create um, you know a, a, a very a very complex uh, third act. And I think we, we realized we'd finally gotten there on our last test screening uh, when we had a group of, um, of 30 folks at the end who we were asking questions to. And of course, the last question we asked them was, you know, how many of you support Cap in this film? And 15 raised their hand. How many of you support Iron Man and 15 raised? We said, all right, we're done. Um, <laughs> and we locked the movie. And how difficult is it to mind? That, that scene, for example, has six speaking parts, something like that, and it gets a, a lot bigger than that, believe me. How difficult is it to uh, orchestrate uh, scenes and action scenes with so many characters and have so many different mini arcs going on in the movie? 
Well, you know, Joe and I have always been big fans of ensemble storytelling. You sort of see it in all of our work. Uh, we like to work with ensembles. We like movies that are, give you a very dense, thick experience that you can revisit multiple times, ideally three times. <laughs> and then, because uh, that, that's how we like to enjoy movies. We like to watch movies over and over again. And we like movies that sort of give you something different on each viewing. And I think ensembles help you do that because we like to approach the storytelling from every character's point of view. We'll do, we'll do passes at the script with the writers, Marcus and McFeely, where we're just thinking about Sebastian's character, for instance, beginning and end through the whole entire movie, as if mm -hmm. the movie is his movie, Cap's character, Tony's character, et cetera. And so at the end of the day, it's not about screen time for us. It's about how can we give the audience a very, very full experience of each of these characters? How can we take each of the character to a surprising place that isn't expected. How can, how we can how can we explore the character on a on a on a, on a character level in ways that, that hasn't been explored yet? Um, and sometimes you know, the the impression that a character may make on you in the, in one of these movies isn't necessarily proportional to their screen time. Sometimes with mm -hmm. very little screen time, a character can give you an experience that that uh, that stays with you in a very powerful way. So we really respect that about these these movies and about these characters. But because of the ensemble uh, nature of the piece, uh, Sebastian, did you feel that uh, you were more part of more of the ensemble this time around? I mean, last time you were very much, I guess, in your very own movie with, with Chris Evans. This time, we, as we'll about to see, you meet more people. Yeah, I mean, I think as you're going to introduce the next clip, you'll understand why I was very happy with uh, the way things panned out for me <laughs> in the script. Um, no, I look, we have... You know, one of the amazing things that they brought into the Winter Soldier, you know, for me was just the 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 level of action that is so real, you know, and and grounded and right here happening. You know, it's just in in your in your face and very down to earth. And uh, we have an amazing stunt team, and then we were able to kind of like take that action, amplify it even more. Um, but even just from a from a standpoint of have introducing a character in that in that action-packed way uh, even further in this movie it was it was really exciting. Uh, how much training did you do? A lot. I mean, I think most of it happens before we start, okay. and then once we start, you know, we just we just kind of go, and it's just uh, from then on, you just get more and more tired every time. So, <laughs> yeah. Have you recovered? You okay? I'm very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Especially right now. But I look at it. I mean, that's something Joe and I constantly remark on. For like Sebastian specifically, it's like, look, he couldn't have a, a more challenging role as an actor to take somebody who is one guy in the 1940s, a mind control assassin after that point in the second movie, and now is now a third iteration of who that person can be that's not quite who he started as and not quite who he was turned into, mm. uh, but is yet something else. I mean, it's as challenging... Uh, a, a characterization as you can ever have as an actor. Mm. And Sebastian does it in a way that like shocks and surprises us all the time. But he, he does that on top of like keeping himself in like pro athlete shape on top <laughs> of it all, which is like, it's hard to imagine how, how those guys do it. In fact, we have, a, we have a scene now, we're gonna see Bucky in action. Um, how to set this one up? I mean, what point is Bucky uh, at in this, in this movie? What stage? of his psyche are we going to see? Well, we that could be, that. It could, be, could be considered a spoiler. Yeah. What we'll say is um, uh, there's a, uh, a certain level of intensity uh, <laughs> in his personality at this moment. 
uh, and he's come into conflict with, uh, with Team Iron Man. You may see, see some shades of the past here. Okay, uh, nicely navigated. Let's take a look at the clip. We're in position. Stuff. No matter what I do, I keep ending up in between Black Widow's legs. <laughs> I'll say that. Pretty that, tough job. <laughs> it's a tough job. Um, it's interesting, actually, a few people contacted me on Twitter before this Q&A, uh, a few Bucky and Nat fans, and they asked me to ask uh, you guys if you consider giving Bucky and Nat more of a relationship, or maybe next time around, maybe more of a relationship. Um, what do you think? <laughs> We've given them a pretty good relationship up to this point. They've, uh, they've, yeah. they've had two films together with uh, two scenes in two films. Um, they fight beautifully together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, you know, it's, uh, you know, the next time um, you're going to see most of these characters on screen is Infinity War. And, uh, and we're hard at work on those scripts right now. Who knows where they're going to go? But, uh, you know, the, the great thing about working as Mar at Marvel is that we have these incredible, uh, incredibly rich repertoire of characters who've been established in their own films or multiple films uh, over the last eight to nine years. And mm. um, really, it's, uh, you know, like two kids in a candy store with the <laughs> options that we have in front of us uh, in terms of uh, character interaction. That's a maybe, I think. <laughs> but uh, have you thought about maybe making Infinity War Part 1 just a two-hander? Just Bucky and Nat, just talking for 90 minutes. I think that... Two-hander and then Part 2 is 60,000 characters just <laughs> eating pizza together. And, yeah. I don't know. Can we, can we, can we call a Bucky-Nat story Infinity War? Yeah, of course. Sounds, sounds rough. Okay, let's, uh, let's take some questions from you guys now. Whoa. Okay. Right here in the front row, and now I'll try and work back. We do have to leave tonight at some point, so I'll try. Okay, thank you very much. Hi. Um, sorry, everyone is going to hate me. I have seen the movie too, and it's amazing. Sorry, no spoilers. Um, I just wanted to say it was fantastic, so I'm just going to stop here. I wanted to talk uh, to you guys a bit about your um, influence. You've talked a lot about the filmmaking in um, influence in the interviews you've given, especially handling a lot of characters and everything. So can you talk a bit more about the movie that inspired you to deal with this amount of cast and the action scene or the, the cinematography, this, like the, the general aspect of the movie, which is incredible. And I wanted to ask you, uh, Sebastian, a bit about working with Anthony Mackie as well, because I thought it was pretty fun in the movie. So that's about it. Thank you. I know I was thinking about how quiet it was in here without him. <laughs> um, but the thing is, his voice is in my head now. 
every day. So I, I never, you know. Um, he, he was like a blessing for, 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 for Bucky Barnes, the Falcon, because I think we discovered all these moments. And um, at the same time, you know, it's, uh, they're kind of like the odd couple, really. That's, that's kind of what it is, you know. There's, there's a love and hate relationship there and, there, and it's based on trying to find the trust. And, and there's sometimes a lot of humor in that. Thing we love one of the things we love about that relationship is just you know the, the notion that you know Bucky is Cap's old friend, old best friend, and Sam is Cap's new best friend, and you know that just sounds exactly like what it is, you know. Uh, from an influence standpoint, he, uh, Winter Soldier was inspired by political thrillers of the 70s. Uh, this film is a psychological thriller, I think. The, um, uh, you know, the big influences for us on this movie. From a thematic or narrative uh, structure standpoint, we're Seven and Fargo, uh, and then we looked at um, you know, The Godfather is a movie that has uh, multiple characters uh, with uh, with with arcs that uh, that Coppola had to track through the film, uh, and uh, we just we studied the way that he cut back and forth between um, Michael Corleone's story and everyone else's story as he moved uh, uh, the narrative forward. So that was. Um, that was definitely something that uh, that we studied hard um, as we tried to figure out how to bring all these characters into this movie and still have a unified narrative. Thank you. Well, a lot of hands. Uh, let's go right here. This lady here with the glasses in the third row. Thank you. Hi. Um, as you can see, I'm Team Cap. Uh, my boyfriend is Team Iron Man, and I don't want to break up with him, so how can I convince <laughs> him he is wrong? <laughs> don't go see the movie together. Well, I will tell you, I, it is entirely possible that one of you may convert when you say the movie. It's, uh, we have heard, we have had people tell us that before, that they went into the movie with one orientation, came out with another. So it's, uh, who knows? <laughs> okay, let's move on. There's a lady just, yes, please keep your hand up. And my fourth row back. Yes, thank you. Yes, you. Uh, hi, I got a question for Antonia and Joe. I want to ask about the filming. There is a lot of location going on. So how did you choose between location and studio? Uh, choose, well, really, we try to get as much location work in as we can because we like the actors to have something tactile to react to uh, uh, rather than a green screen, but that's not always possible. Uh, there's a large sequence in the movie that takes place at an airport, which is a pivotal battle in the film. Uh, and it's very difficult to do the things that we were doing at an actual airport um, um, for obvious security reasons. So uh, we, um, uh, you know, we shot a lot of that on a back lot. Um, so it's really a function of, uh, you know, what's available to us and what we're trying to attempt in the scene. But as much as we can, we really want the actors dealing with, uh, with, uh, with the tactile reality. So we try to try to set as many things as we can on location. I will add this too, you know, even when we can't shoot on actual location, we try very hard on a stylistic level to make it look as if we are, you know? So we work with our visual effects department very carefully to, to represent things as realistically as possible. We make sure that all the camera movements, even in our CG shots, are sort of in the exact style that we would, we would use if we were actually shooting it on set. It's a big discipline that has to be, uh, you know, that takes a lot of time on our part to sort of make sure it comes off properly, but it's really important to the movie. And I think 
I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's always it makes us happy that the people typically think that more of the movie is shot at practical locations than it actually is, and I think it's that fidelity to that style that helps trick people into in that. Uh, Sebastian, do you does that matter to you filming on sets or filming against green screen? Uh, I mean, it's always it's always nice to have a, a the practical <laughs> sort of thing in front of you, but um, I mean, it's just part of the game at this point. I mean, it's not. You know anything strange? It's okay. sometimes the comfort of where you're living helps too. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay, right, right back here, please. Uh, Lord, there's lots of people with their hands up. There's a there's a lady with blonde hair and glasses. Thank you. Sebastian, uh, if you could uh, tell something to Bucky before he became the Winter Soldier, what would you say? Don't worry. <laughs> it's going to be all right. I mean, I <laughs> okay, let's go over here. Yes, please. There's a lady right here in the front row. And actually, we'll go there. We'll go there. We'll go there. It's fine. Um, this, is, this is for um, all of you. Uh, you're all clearly really invested in your characters. Um, what would you, without spoiling those of us who haven't seen it yet, what would you want for Bucky in the future, all three of you? Wow, well, that's a good story. Well, uh, Bucky doesn't have a future. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things that I find most emotionally engaging about the story and about the characters is that there. And this is one thing I think why we love the character of Captain America is he has this undying faith in people and belief in what's possible despite all odds and. I think his dedication to this idea that there is still a human being inside of the Winter Soldier that can be saved, that can be brought back, and that can be given a life again is one of the more emotional dimensions of the story for me. So I sort of I, I, I feel close to Cap and that desire that there is a human being inside the Winter Soldier, and it's, it's, a, it's up to the story to decide whether we'll ever get there or not. Okay, there's a lady here in the front row. Wearing a Captain America T-shirt. Okay, jumper. Sorry, my mistake. Thank you. Hiya. Um, I have a question for Anthony and Joe. Um, if ignoring the event in um, Age of Ultron, <laughs> no, it all makes sense. The question: If you were to make a Hawkeye movie, what uh, comic storyline would you go with? That's a great question. Oh boy. Um, God, that's a. Good one. Hawkeye uh, retires and plays with his kids? No. Yeah, <laughs> like, that would be Which Hawkeye story would you want us yeah. to make? Yeah. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Wow, that's good. That's a popular storyline. <laughs> uh, how many of you, you know, want to see a, a Hawkeye standalone movie? All right. All right. I'm sure Renner will be very happy with that. We are going to take that idea back to the writer's room. Thank you very much. <laughs> Maybe that's what Infinity War Part 1 is. It's just a Hawkeye solo movie. He's golfing, he's painting, he's doing all sorts. Uh, right, there's a gentleman right back here by the, by the gray pipe in the middle of the room. I can't be much more specific than that. Yes, keep your hand up, please, sir. Yes, and the microphone is Wendy and it's Mary Way to you. Yes, you. Now speak into it. Uh, hi, uh, this is for the Russo brothers. Um, 
Yeah, you talked a lot about your influences with the film uh, Winter Soldier and then what you've kind of like put together for this uh, upcoming film as well. And I think, you know, like considering things like uh, political differences, uh, psychological issues, uh, working with an ensemble cast, uh, personally, I think that's what made something like The Winter Soldier an amazing film and it stood out from a lot of the other superhero movies, if you don't mind me saying. But I would like to ask how important do you think that is uh, within the genre of superhero films to kind of tell stories of that kind of nature so you create a forum for people to have discussion and debate about social and p political issues. Um, I, yeah, I, I was just wondering how important you think that is. Uh, it, it's very important to us. I think we're, you know, my brother and I are obsessed with current events. I think the way that we all are, we're very politically minded. We read a lot. Um, you know, we like layered storytelling. We like when you go into a theater and uh, you come out and you can have a conversation with your friends. And, and I think that the compelling thing about uh, superhero movies is that they're one step removed from reality. So in a way, they can allow us to deal with issues that may be too painful in reality. Uh, um, you know, and I, we, we, we try to tether these characters as much to our world as we possibly can uh, because uh, we want that immediacy when you watch the film. Uh, that they feel like they could be in your world and that they're dealing with issues that we all deal with uh, on an everyday basis. I think that's very important for uh, the longevity of, uh, of uh, superhero films. Uh, I think um, they have to be dimensionalized. And I think this film, we made a very conscious effort to um, subvert the traditional structure of these movies up till this point uh, um, with, a, with a very surprising uh, a third act. And, um, I think, again, that's, that's invaluable for, uh, for the health of, uh, of the genre. You know, and to me as a fan, I'm like, I'm most interested in the variety of what can be done with the genre. You know, uh, you know we, we, we are, we're making specific choices and doing a certain thing because the nature of the characters and the world that we're working in sort of push us in one direction creatively. But, you know, there's other, you know, Deadpool, just to pull up a recent example, did something very, very different with the superhero movie and did it quite successfully. So, I mean, what, what's exciting about the genre is the possibilities for where it can go and how it can be used. And as a fan, I just want to move forward and be continually surprised by what people are doing with the genre. That's the, the best thing um, I can hope for. Okay, we don't have a lot of time left. I think we've got time for 47 more questions. And uh, let's go <laughs> right to the back, if we can. Let's be democratic about this. Yeah, there's a, there's just choose a hand. <laughs> I don't know. It's chaos. Hi. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the movie. I think it's impressive that as brothers you can write your name on the, on the Avengers legacy. Uh, me and my brother can barely even share a, a pizza topping. Um, uh, firstly, I'd like to ask, how hard was it to, to get all these great actors in, in, the, in the same room to shoot this movie when all of them had other projects on this year? I mean, that, that, that is so funny you would ask that because it is, look, these people are all immensely talented actors. They all have awesome options for work. They're all doing great work in these movies, outside of these movies. So, yeah, getting, and the cast is so large. Yeah, a big part of the challenge is just getting everybody where you need them, when you need them. Uh, but, look, once you get them all there, they're amazingly professional and focused and dedicated. So the work goes beautifully uh, if you can all get them in the room when you need them. And were you ready to roll with the punches? Because I, I read uh, a story about, about the film where you, you had a, a version that, that maybe didn't have Iron Man in it and a version that didn't have Spider-Man in it. How, how different was the movie as it evolved? 
I mean, there was a process where we never had a version that didn't have Iron Man in it because there was no civil war without Iron Man. So uh, we had to, um, it was a sheer force of will issue. Uh, everybody that we wanted, we had to, you know, lock down and say there was no way to uh, accomplish the movie without that character because it was so complicated on a deal level with, uh, you know, getting Robert in the movie. Uh, and then with you know getting Spider-Man from Sony, which was mm. is a complicated a deal as can uh, possibly yeah. happen in the film business. So um, we never allowed for the fact that there were options other than you know having those characters in the movie. Although in tr there was a brief period prior to our commitment to Civil War as as the idea for the next the third Captain America yeah. movie, where we did with the writers did explore other options, but nothing we were ever satisfied with in a way that we wanted to move forward. Yes. Okay, fantastic. And the last questions from this lady. There's a lady who had her hand up earlier on with a striped jumper. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to take by surprise. <laughs> I was going to say um, you sort of covered it there, but what was it like to be able to bring Spider-Man back into the fold? Uh, incredible. I've been collecting comics since I was 10 years old. Um, he was my favorite character growing up. So it's a dream come true for me as a comic book fan to be able to interpret that character on screen. And one thing that we wanted to do that you know, was very important to me when I was a kid was to cast an actor who was very close in age to Peter Parker as a high school student. Um, because that's, uh, that's what I, uh, that was my wish fulfillment component as a, as a 10 year old comic book collector who was so close in age to me. But also what we loved about, what I loved about the character was he had a certain vulnerability and an insecurity that he married to a confidence and a sense of humor. Uh, and he was burdened with this incredible power while he was still dealing with acne and girls and high school issues. So uh, we thought that it'd be very interesting to bring a character like that into the Marvel Universe because he would stand in great contrast to all of these experienced heroes who in the film are dealing with a very adult problem. We were, you know, the, the important thing about to us reintroducing the character of Spider-Man is that, you know, we were doing it in a Captain America movie. So we tried very much, you know, we we try to bring this level in Winter Soldier and Civil War, we try to bring a level of realism and groundedness to the degree that you can in a superhero movie. Uh, to Cap's world, and that's the texture we try to approach and filter the character through. So we did the same thing with Spider-Man in this film, was we tried to contemporize him in a way, like some of the past interpretations of the character, I think have fo focused more on the nostalgia and the history of the character. It's almost as if he's in a 1950s time warp sometimes in terms of some of the, some of the sensibilities in the world. Uh, we tried to do a very current, modern version of Spider-Man, rethinking his relationship with Aunt May, and just putting them, making them feel like a real slice of New York City today uh, was very important to us. And Sebastian, without giving any uh, spoilers away, how would you describe Bucky's relationship with Spider-Man in this movie? It's fine, I just had a problem with Tom Holland. <laughs> I've heard that, yeah. Um, and on that bombshell. <laughs> that is, that's all the time we have, I'm afraid. Thank you so much for your questions. Thank you for coming. Thank you, of course, Thank Anthony you, Russo, Joe Russo, and Sebastian Stan. Thank you.